1: Hi, I'm Zach Glazer.
2: And I'm Ashley Steckler. And this is episode 394 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Jennifer talks with Zach Glazer about the components to a successful law practice management system.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, Postali, and Albatross Legal Workspaces. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. So, Ashley recently, you went on a trip to, I think people would be split on whether they want to go here or not to a place that people either really want to go or really have no desire to go. I think
2: after having gone there, I don't know who would not want to go to Nepal.
1: (laughs) I feel the same way. Like I, I would definitely want to go to Nepal, but I imagine there are people that I've never met that, you know, that's just not their jam. But I don't see how that could really be, though.
2: My grandmother does not want to go to Nepal.
1: Okay, so we found one. We found, we found one, one everybody person. Else, everybody else, I think, should go to Nepal. I mean, coming from the stories that you have. So, yeah, let's get into that. How was it?
2: It was amazing. It was fantastic. I had, prior to going to Nepal, all of these ideas and images about how much I thought I might love it. Mm -hmm. And Nepal exceeded all of those. Really? Yeah.
1: That's a heck of a trip. Because I think Nepal, you've got these fantastical sort of ideas. It feels like it would be, at least from an American or a Western standpoint, a magical place where you, you know, it's totally different. And to exceed that. Yeah. That's outstanding.
2: Yeah. So before we went, we found a cheap flight. and throughout the idea, should we go to Nepal? And my immediate reaction was, you know, if we really don't have time to do the Everest or Annapurna circuit tracks, should mm-hmm. we really even go, right? Because that's right. The kind classic of- classic question. <laughs> the classic question. They take 12 or 16 days if you're going to do either of the full circuit tracks,
3: oh, which man. really
2: was not in our timeline. And so we oh. decided to do a Kathmandu Valley track Mm -hmm. four nights, five days. Fantastic.
1: Okay. That trek specifically, was it a thing that you did kind of, I don't want to say like all inclusive, but like it was a normalized something that a lot of people do, or did you have to put all this stuff together yourself?
2: So luckily there's lots of travel bloggers and Mm -hmm. information and videos out there. It's a fairly common, if you're going to do a little valley trek, you can go from Bhaktapur to Dulikel to Namo And that's kind of what we did. Okay. Highly recommend it. There's also some people who do guides. And so you can have a guide, a local Nepali guide, mm-hmm. which if anyone's going to travel there, I would recommend getting to Nepal and talking to local people mm-hmm. instead of booking ahead online. That's one thing that I learned about traveling there was... Mm-hmm. Everyone is so helpful locally and they have way more connections than you're ever Mm going to be able to find online. Example, during our trek, we thought we would stay in a village called Namo Buddha at a monastery, a Buddhist monastery, but we Mm -hmm. couldn't figure out online how to get there. And once we got to (laughs) Nepal and started talking to people there, we had a guest house the night before who said... Go there, ask around. We ended up asking a young monk at the monastery, How do we get to the guest house to make a reservation? Everyone was so friendly and helpful. Mm -hmm. Even on parts of the trek, you know, we'd be walking through this particular valley trek. You walk through, oh, a dozen little villages. And so you're Mm -hmm. in and out through valleys, up and down. It was up and down constantly, but through little villages. And we would have people ask where we're from, ask where mm-hmm. we're going and point us, you know, in the fork either left or right. Yes, you're on the right path, go this way. Which I've never <laughs> encountered before. It was fantastic.
1: That feels like how I, I don't know it's it, it's just such a kind of dream of traveling. You yeah, know, that's how you that's how you think traveling should be when yeah. you're younger and before you go and and you have to, you know, strap your money to your to your waist and you feel I should be able to just ask where I'm going, but now we're it's all GPS. You know, you have to yeah. you have your phone on you and and you you go left or right based on where the computer tells you to go.
2: And we did have that and we actually mm-hmm. found that our maps um and service worked Wonderfully there. We had no issues. I had less issues there than I do here where I live in North Dakota. But it really was this dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone was so friendly. And I I mentioned this to you before, Zach. I didn't once feel I've traveled to other countries. I've traveled to other places. I've personally never traveled to a place that was so unfamiliar to me mm-hmm. where I didn't have some sense of insecurity, either about the logistics or the planning or spatially, you know, like you said, strapping your, your money to your hip. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that in Nepal, which I think is quite telling to the culture.
1: I think so. Because how does this work with your project man- management brain? You know, with your, <laughs> we, we've got to get these things done, you know, cause we've had you on the podcast for, for multiple project management things and yeah. going in and saying, I'm just going to let the, you know, the winds take me and I have an idea of where I want to go, but I don't know exactly, you know, like all those things that so we, yeah, were your days planned out or was it?
2: Ashley on vacation is much more of a go where the day takes me and the wind blows. It's okay. very different from me nerding out on all the project management stuff, <laughs> which I actually also really love, right?
1: Right, right.
2: I am totally open to on vacation having this image of the idea of where we might end up. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, we don't. It's part of the adventure.
1: That is not how we did the recent website launch.
2: No, nor should you.
1: Yeah. So just to kind of let people know, that is not how we do project management stuff.
2: No, I'm totally, I'm two different people. When we're doing project management stuff, when we're working through a website relaunch, it is meticulous. It is planned out. It is all of the project management rules, but vacation is separate and set aside. And so you can, you know, it's not reality in some sense.
1: Yeah. It's nice to be able to separate that because I think that a lot of lawyers especially can't turn off. Yeah when they go on vacation, you still get your phone on you, you still get your tablet or your your computer. And I think that's one of the things of being able to work remotely. And I don't know that you could get too much more remote than Nepal. Being able to work remotely means that a lot of people still do. And they don't shut that off and, and let a different side of them take over.
2: Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, I say it all the time, but I appreciate our team and the systems we have set up so much because i was able to go to nepal i was gone for two weeks and we planned ahead of time and we are able to rely on each other for a lot of different mm-hmm. things i didn't have to get online right that was the other part of this amazing vacation i didn't have to get online
1: <laughs> to be fair i cried the whole time you were gone
2: though.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but you know you, you got back and i nobody told you that until just now
2: yeah everyone pretends like things are fine
1: Right, right, right.
2: Well, now here is Jennifer's conversation with Zach.
1: I'm Zach Glazer, and I am the legal tech advisor here at Lawyerist. And so I spend a lot of my time categorizing legal technology and talking to people about that.
3: And I'm Jennifer Wiggum, and I am interviewing you, but I'm also your colleague. And I know you pretty well. Yeah. But I don't actually know your history of Practice management systems very well, which is not like a question that just casually comes up. And I'm like Zach, how is your day? Also, what's your history with practice management systems? Yeah. So I wonder if you want to um, tell the audience a little bit about that. Like, why why are you interested in this? Where does this come from? Why are we talking about this?
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a reasonable question. And it's it's a reasonable, too good question. Now, <laughs> okay. my history with law practice management systems, and that's you know what we're kind of getting into today is. When I got out of law school in 2011, we didn't really, we were never taught about practice management in general, much less the technology that went along with practice management. So, I got out and was expecting to practice using kind of analog style, just paper files, file cabinets in the back of the, the office. Growing up, my father always had, you know, a, a back room with tons of files. And so I <laughs> was used to that.
3: Smoky back room.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs> we we don't know why it was yeah, back smoky. Yeah. It's just smoky. Yeah.
3: Electrical failure.
1: And we, I'll take this, this moment to tell everybody to make sure you back up your files, even if they're in physical form like that, just in case your office does get smoky or floody. Yes. But bloody. getting out, I heard of some little lake. Practice management software that was like on premise, things that you would install on your server. And honestly, like fancier offices had that.
3: Yeah. (laughs) But even
1: in the, I guess it's 11 years now that I've been out, we have gone from kind of that practice management software being a very niche sort of thing, something that people really, really thought long and hard about whether or not they needed, to it's probably one of the first things you should think about when you strike mm-hmm. out on your own, after what email style <laughs> am I going to use? You know, are you going to be an Office 365 person? or Are you going to be a Gmail person? And then now let's think about some sort of practice management system. And so we've gone from nothing slash on-premises systems to most of these are in the cloud. And if they're not in the cloud, they're either very, very specific or they're not really being used very much.
3: Yeah, well, let's walk it back a second for some people that might not know. What does a practice management system do? What does it encompass? Why is somebody going to use it?
1: That's a fun question.
3: Oh, good. I like to be fun.
1: So I think people conflate practice management systems with matter management or case management. Yes, they systems. do. Yeah, and it's difficult to pull those strands apart. So I I don't really try to do that very much. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die on this hill, but <laughs> In reality, or at least in my opinion, a full law practice management system has to do five of eight things. It needs to bring, I don't want to say disparate, but it needs to bring different portions of your practice, of your legal tech stack together. And so there's matter management or case management. There's task and project management, document management, client management. Those are kind of your four Core things that pretty much every law practice management system or platform is going to be able to do. And if it doesn't, I don't know that you can call it a law practice management system. But then we have four others, which is document assembly, calendaring, timekeeping, and billing, and then accounting. Anything that, in my opinion, that wants to call itself a law practice management system needs to do five of those eight things, at least five of those eight.
3: Any five or a specific five?
1: Really, any five. Okay, And that's where it gets a little tough because you wind, yeah, up, with, say,
3: well, you which wind five? up with
1: timekeeping and billing software coming in and you're like, whoa, is this a practice management system? Yeah, It is. And so it's, it is gray, but that's what I kind of had to come to because like I said, a lot of my job is categorizing things, being able to put things in buckets that people understand when they come to the website or when they come to our talks that they can say, okay, that makes sense in my head. So Could we define a law practice management system differently? Sure. But this is, to me, a really good way, a really solid way. And it gets most of the things that people would kind of anecdotally think of as law practice management software in that category.
3: So how do they, just to go back to a little bit, because I am psychically predicting what some of our lawyers might ask, is how do they know what the five elements are right for them? So when they're like, you know, you've just started your firm, you're looking at all these different options for your practice management system. They have the Zach Laser mantra in their head. Okay, mm-hmm. it needs at least five. But how do they know which five? I mean, is it... I Tell me. Don't yeah. let me guess. <laughs> Don't let me just like keep guessing. We're
1: going to spend the rest of this podcast with <laughs> Jennifer guessing.
3: Just guessing instead of letting you answer the question.
1: Yeah. So the problem that I think a lot of people come to or have when choosing software in general or when trying to design their systems are that they go and find a piece of software and they go, how can I use this? Yeah, And that's the total opposite way that you need to do it. As we say all the time, as has been said many, many times all over the place, start with the end in mind, figure out what you need your software to do before you even go look for the software. So define your systems. Once you've done that, you're going to be able to see where your processes kind of land. So you're going to need an email system. You're going to have to send email back and forth. True. You're going to have to determine and categorize and, and manage your clients. You're just going to have to. That's going to be part of your processes. And then some of your processes are going to be managing your documents. Some of your processes are going to be managing your matters managing your time, your tasks, things like that. So once you've listed out your processes, you come in, categorize them, and then that will show you or help show you what piece of software you need to use or what piece of software is good for you. But I will say most people don't start with a clean slate. Yeah, They don't start just saying, okay, well, I'm fresh out of law school. I'm going to go hang up my shingle and I've got money to burn.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and so so I'm, yeah.
1: gonna, I'm gonna go buy all this stuff most of the time we're working on the car while we're driving down the road yeah so the thing that i usually tell people is the best law practice management system that you can be using is the one that has your crap in it already yeah don't jump off your law practice management system just for the sake of doing it or because something's shiny or because it doesn't do one little thing oh it doesn't track my time that i have for you know, when I'm sending my emails. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's a tick in the boxes of of, you know, maybe we don't want to use this eventually, but that's not really a fundamental thing, usually. And so moving all your crap from one place to another is probably going to be more problematic than than solving that issue. Whereas if you you start off with one client and now you've got 35 or 200 or 750 or, or whatever. Just keep going. Yeah. And you, hopefully this is how it goes. It just, you know, exponentially yeah. increases and your system doesn't have a way of managing your clients. Well, I mean, now you need to go change systems because that's kind of a fundamental thing. So it needs to manage or handle those fundamental things. And that that's really roundabout way of saying how how one should choose those five things.
3: I see what you're saying. So, you're because it was a question I was going to ask you. Is there a sunk cost in this where you've had this system for so long and all your stuff is in there and you know it's going to be a pain to switch it? So, should you just stay with it? But it sounds like what you're saying is there are situations where, yes, you should stay with it when it's small things Mm -hmm. that can be solved. Like you said, like email tracking time, you can find your way around it. Mm -hmm. However, if, if it's a system that's not built to handle the volume of clients that you have, then yes. That's a situation where you might be looking for something else.
1: Yes. And I think it can be a lot of times, I if you will classify the law practice management systems that are out there, there are different yeah. styles, really. And there's kind of a spectrum in some senses of like how many of these eight things they'll handle. And yeah. so on one end is an all-in-one system. And I could give you examples <laughs> of this and and you can see them on our, our website, but as soon as I do that, somebody's going to change something. So I, I'm just oh, yeah. not going to, to say specifics. But on one hand, it's, it's an all-in-one. And it handles all eight of those things. So yeah. from client management, from intake, all the way to your firm accounting. And the concept there is that you don't have to leave this system. It's usually pretty plug and play. Yeah, You step into it and you you almost learn how the platform wants you to run your practice. And you just do it that way. And that works wonderfully for a lot of people. On the other end of the spectrum is what I call just like an integrator. It's a hub. It is this thing that brings these elements all together and manages them. And really, this is where we get kind of weird with like how many things it has to be able to do. But this should be able to manage at least five of those eight elements. The issue with this is that it it is rarely plug and play. Hmm. It is usually pretty easy to get started though. And you can manipulate it into kind of whatever you want it to be, or at least that's the idea. The hallmark of these or what you want to look for in this type is that it has a two-way sync with all of the integrated products.
3: Explain that a little bit for people who might not know what that means.
1: So we
3: get pretty fast
1: and loose with this idea of integrated or synced when we talk about legal tech a lot of times. What I really consider an integration is when both platforms talk back and forth to each other. So you could have something that said, hey, we're a, we're a phone call tracking system and we integrate with your law practice management system. But really, all it does is it pulls in your matter information into the phone call tracking system
3: Hmm. So it's one way.
1: Yeah, that's just one way. That's not really helpful. Then the other side is, yeah, they're integrated, but they only bring in the names, let's say, for example. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Well, that's not a really deep integration. What what you want to look for is how much information can these two pieces of software share back and forth? That is going to be the hallmark of a really good integrator, is one that is able to do that. And what that means practically, is that it has a very good API.
3: Yeah. Tell us an API. So an
1: API is application programming interface. It is a way for these two platforms to talk back and forth with each other. A lot of very good integrators will have what's called an open API, which means that you can use this integration system, this this API without really having to kind of talk to the company. So you'll have good documentation, you'll have standard ways of communicating. And that's really what an API is, is it's a standard way of transferring information back and forth between two disparate pieces of software that may or may not use the same underlying languages. Yeah. They're likely not going to use the same underlying data structure, but this allows them to kind of gather information back and forth. And so having a good open API is pretty Integral to being on that integrator side. Now, if you're in it, if you're an all-in-one, who cares? Sure. Yeah, I want to be able to to bring in. There's always going to be something missing, so I want to be able to bring something in. But really, if you have your marketing all the way to your your own billing, paying your own invoices, paying rent for your your space, that's a full all-in-one, and I don't need to connect Calendly because I've already got a solid calendaring system.
3: I see, so just to to break it down a little bit. So the all-in-one, you don't need to worry about words like API integration because everything's there. When you get the practice management systems that don't have all these things, even if you don't know what an API is, you wanna look for that word or that phrase within the specs of the platform. So you don't need to know what it is, but you need to know that that's possible because then that means you can bring in the features that that platform doesn't have. Correct. Did I get that right? Okay. Correct.
1: I think that's an easy place to say, yeah, you're a- you're absolutely right.
3: Okay, good. If
1: you are looking at an integrator and you are thinking, you know, I don't know what an API is and I don't care. <laughs> and that's the, that's the important part. The, I don't care what an API is. Yeah. You may not want to look at an integrator. Because you're building your machine over here. Yeah. Over in the all-in-one area. Machine's built. You're just using it. So if you don't want to build the machine, you don't want to mess with any of that, maybe look more towards a fully, you know, a full all-in-one. There are, again, this is a spectrum. So there's levels of all-in-one. A lot of times you'll find It has timekeeping, calendaring, document assembly, client management, document management, task management, matter management, but does not have full business accounting. That's actually Mm -hmm. really common because people like to use QuickBooks. Right. But they'll have a good integration with QuickBooks. And you can kind of back off from there into most things are going to kind of sit in the middle where they're telling you how to to run your practice, but also letting you manipulate things a little bit. Yeah. And that's where we kind of get into our, which ones do we want to use?
3: Yeah, this makes sense.
1: The Lawyerist Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionist. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could clone yourself? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Since you can't be in two places at once, let Posh answer. Posh is a team of professional U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365 to answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. The Posh app puts you in total control of when your Posh receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist service. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And by Albatross Legal Workspaces. When running any business, including a law practice, there are critically important operations that are often overlooked and ignored by lawyers. Top on that list is data security, ransomware protection, data leaks, and data backups. Those tasks can seem unimportant and time-consuming or an added cost. And even with IT teams involved, they're often misconfigured and mismanaged. Albatross Legal Workspaces is an excellent solution for law firms to streamline those types of operations. Albatross Legal Workspaces was built to be the all-in-one office for law firms. It stores all your applications, files, desktops, and servers in your own private cloud that is accessible from anywhere. No need for expensive desktop or server upgrades or unresponsive IT companies coming to the office. And the mundane yet critical security and backup operations are seamlessly integrated, hassle-free. The service also includes 24-7 IT help desk. Albatross Legal Workspaces covers you from A to Z. To learn more and receive one month of free service, please visit albatross.cloud forward slash lawyerist. That's A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S dot cloud forward slash lawyerist. And by Postale. Finding a marketing partner for your firm can be challenging. Are you getting sound advice? Is your marketing agency always working in your best interest? You shouldn't have to worry about these things. At Postali, they believe marketing companies should adopt the same duty to their clients that is required of the legal profession. For this reason, they require that all team members sign a fiduciary oath to act in good faith and put clients' best interests ahead of their own. They service with care, candor, and loyalty. Postali is a full-service digital marketing agency exclusively for lawyers. To learn more about how they're different, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist. That's dot com forward slash lawyerist.
3: So you're kind of saying like, you know, if I, I don't want to mess with it. I don't have a ton of tech experience. Mm-hmm. I just want something that in essence tells me what to do and runs itself. They probably want that all in one. Right. Okay. That makes sense.
1: Or if you're very, very specific, for example, in my practice, we did we did collections or as, as we like to say, creditor's rights uh, a lot of times, mm. but we, we did collections. We had extremely specific software because we had to track compound interest and simple interest and whether or not somebody paid in the middle of the month. We had to be very, very specific about our accounting. And this wasn't my firm's accounting. Yeah. You know, we had to get really, really detailed with things like that. But we also had to have reminders and certain types of workflows. And I wasn't likely going to build that for myself.
3: Yeah.
1: Even though I could. And even though I, I did a lot no, of No, you're a genius. There, of course you could. Yeah. No, I, it, I mean, I could have. And many, many people in that space have built their own. And they've done a wonderful job with it. But because you've gotten so specific. And, and this is in like the immigration space too. True. You get so specific and you need the software to do such deliberate things. You may lean towards an all-in-one there just because it's it's not worth your time. Why build something when somebody else has done it so well already? Right. So that's another reason you might go towards something that is a little bit more of an all-in-one. And that's kind of the other side. That's the other access to this law practice management system kind of grid is that you have generalized stuff and then specific stuff. A generalized integrator is going to let you do whatever you want, but you're going to have to build pretty much everything.
3: Very good distinction. That did bring up another question that I had, though, is, and I know other people have, are there specific practice area, practice management systems? Like you talked, like you had one for your your collections business. Like, Mm -hmm. Is there one, like, I'm an estate planner. Should I choose something that speaks to estate planning or are these kind of general all-in-one systems going to cover everything? Yes, I'm not an estate planner just as that was a hypothetical.
1: Uh, well, you should look for something that is good for estate planners. Okay There may be something that is that is specific for estate planners and there are platforms that are document generators that are specific for estate planners. there's a, there's a lot of, of good stuff out there. But there are specific types of things that estate planners generally need or want, and it'll lean them towards certain software. okay, but then you get into something very specific, like immigration, and there is specific practice management software for immigration so I honestly, I'm sure there is specific practice management software for every type of practice that is out there. It's just whether or not it really matters to you
3: That's what I mean, yeah like. Would you put the idea of finding a specific practice area platform over using one of the more established general platforms? Is there any reason that I, the fake estate planner, should really seek out the estate planning platform, or should I go with something that's just more trusted and bigger? Not to say the other ones aren't trusted.
1: So first thing, I like to think that you're someone who plans fake estates.
3: I do. Instead yes. of
1: being a fake estate planner.
3: Yes, just uh fantasy estates in right. my
1: own mind. Fantasy estates. <laughs> For the
3: people in my mind, right. I plan their estates. <laughs>
1: it's great. I think we go back to the beginning with this of how do you choose your software? What you're gonna find is that estate planners have many times have the same types of processes. And so they're gonna they're gonna lean towards the same same type of software. And I say same type of software because I see these structures that estate planners set up, and you can kind of move different software in and out of these little areas, but they're still the same type. Yeah. For example, with, with estate planning, you're going to have pretty good document automation, because it's, it's very document heavy. Sure. You're also typically going to have pretty good client management that leans toward marketing and tracking your marketing, but dealing with your intake appropriately. So they're going to have stronger intake slash marketing slash CRM. Whereas like a PI attorney is going to have really strong intake slash CRM slash client client management slash, you know, that, that kind of area. So you're just going to see where things are a little bit more important to certain types of, of law practices. Whereas if you're a criminal lawyer and you just do kind of like whatever comes in the door with that, you're going to need pretty good intake. You're going to need pretty good, you know, advertising, but you're also not going to automate a ton of stuff, right? You're likely not going to automate a lot of your document creation. So yes, these types of practice areas will tend to use the same software, Yeah. but I don't know that it's necessary that they say like okay well i'm going to get away from this integrator to go use this all-in-one because that's what everybody uses for this it's just whether right. or not you can make it do the things that you needed to do and again yeah people have their preferences it's i want to be able to control blank
3: okay that's that's cool like classic control of blank of blank
1: yeah we all want to control blank
3: yeah i get asked
1: a, a decent bit whether or not somebody should use google you know, Google Workspaces or Office 365, and frankly, it doesn't matter. It's what, whatever you're comfortable with. Those two things are, are close enough to each other that whatever you're comfortable with. As a lawyer, you're likely going to use Microsoft Word, but we're starting to get away from that. Yeah. But if you're, if you're an attorney that deals with contracts and passing contracts back and forth constantly, you're probably going to want to use Microsoft Word just for the redlining aspects of it. And so if you're already using Word, you might as well use Office 365. And so that kind of colors some of your decisions going forward. But a lot of these things, it doesn't matter what it is. Like it, it really is just your preference.
3: Yeah. Really comes back down to what we said before is figure out what you need, what you want, what you want, even like kind of what your, your topia version of how these systems and workflows will go. And then start your search. Yes. Before you do that, instead of just, because I think a lot of people do just, they're like, I started my firm, I got to demo all these, and you're going to get overwhelmed so quickly. I did have one other question for you. Mm -hmm. you talked about a a CRM, a client relationship management system. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between that and a practice management system? Is there a difference?
1: Yeah. um, So a CRM isn't going to have to handle five of the eight things. It is likely going to handle a couple just by by its very nature. So a client. Well,
3: what is it? Yeah. Yeah. So a client relationship. I interrupted you. No,
1: that that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I'm I'm fine with being interrupted. Um, (laughs) So a client relationship manager is it's going to manage your clients, as opposed to your matters. So all of your contacts. Ideally, it's going to help you sell to them. Like that. That's where it kind of comes from. It's like sales. Yeah. But it helps you stay in touch with them. A lot of our referrals as attorneys come from existing clients, the relationships we already have, and so this helps you keep track of some of the things about them in order to do some kind of soft marketing, putting them on email lists that say, "Hey, we, you know, we're we're doing this. You know, remember us." When they get complex, it can also help you track your kind of outgoing marketing, so it can help you track your marketing campaigns. Um, so the basic CRM to me is going to help you track kind of your, how am I talking to my clients in general? Um, but then when you add like a marketing platform on top of that, and some of the CRMs will have both, it'll have you know, intake and marketing. So that's going to track your efforts like call campaigns or email campaigns or Facebook campaigns or Google ads. And you're going to be able to say, okay, what's my ROI on this, on this spin. Yeah. But the other aspect of the CRM is, is just this like managing your intake, managing that moment from potential new client to actual client. Okay. And once they've signed on as a client and you have a matter, then it goes into that matter management area.
3: That's a good distinction. And do people need both? Would you say?
1: Not everybody needs both.
3: Oh, same more.
1: Yeah. So if you're a Right, there's rights attorney. You don't really have a lot of kind of marketing that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have six clients that are big clients and they they all you know send their their cases to you, and that's you know all you, have to, you probably don't have to have a, a really specific CRM. Now, your practice management software is likely going to have to keep track of your clients. You're going to need that somewhere, right? But you probably don't need like a big intake. On the other side of that, personal injury attorneys, I would tell them to have that before they even have a matter manager. Right, You're going to have to have solid, trackable intake and marketing management that you can actually run reports on and determine what's going on. How well are we doing? Are we, are we actually bringing people in? So there's kind of, you don't have to have it. You're going to have a shade of it.
3: Do any practice management systems have a CRM built in?
1: They should some sort of CRM built in. Most of them will have at least a basic client manager built in. A lot of them will integrate pretty well with some of the existing CRMs out there. Yeah, And then some of them have their own CRMs that, that are just separate products. But all of them are going to have a, usually have a basic form of like, how do we, how do we manage our clients? And that kind of gets into like, if you're going to manage matters, you have to classify them in a way. And so when you classify a matter, you generally classify it underneath a client. Well, now you just by virtue of creating matters have client management. Same thing with your client manager. Your client manager is going to classify this client and it's probably going to have jobs or something like that, projects or something like that underneath each client. And so now you kind of have a bit of a matter manager. And so Mm. they roll over each other a little bit, but if you really need a matter manager, most of the time a CRM is not going to do it. And if you really need a CRM, most of the time your standard law practice management system is not going to have that built in unless you have a very, very good or very specific all-in-one.
3: Really, it seems like it's still evolving as a concept, practice management systems. They still, I mean, in the scheme of the law tech universe, they, they still feel new and like they're still figuring out what they are, how they integrate with things. I mean, do you have a... Do you have a prediction of where they're going to go? If you want to be a futurist, (laughs) this is a surprise question for you.
1: That is a dangerous question for me.
3: Okay. Be very careful.
1: I have some conspiracy theory sort of of stuff that I, that I get into. And then I have some, you know, this is, this is the direction that they probably need to go. And I'm going to get just railed for this, but like, I I don't I don't think the land of law practice management systems as it exists right now is really going to kind of still exist in the moderate near future mm. because it is so evolving. We don't right. know what lawyers want to use. We don't know how they practice. We don't and we don't know if they want all in ones. We don't know if yeah. they want integrators and they want well, I mean like really from my perspective they want all of it.
3: And they don't know really necessarily because it's so new. They don't. The
1: practice is also evolving Mm. in how we make money, how we charge, how we sell law. Even in the time that I've been a lawyer, which really in the grand scheme of things is is minuscule for for the practice of law, we have really, really shifted the way that we sell law to people. And we're still Mm. actively trying to shift the way that we sell law. So if you look at... Alternative business structures. There are a lot of different facets to the alternative business structure arguments. In one sense, you have accounting firms that are starting to ease into offering legal advice, and in my opinion, really are a lot of times offering legal advice. They will argue with me till the cows <laughs> come home on that.
3: Those on damn splitting cows. Splitting the
1: hairs. Uh, you know, splitting that hair of like whether or not they're actually selling legal advice or whether they're selling, you know, time or, or whatever. Sure. But you really can't argue that that, you know, kind of your Big 4 are coming into this area of selling law. Then you have document creators, for lack of a better way of saying it, or or a productizer like LegalZoom that is selling a document, selling the ability yeah. for somebody to do something. And that's easing into Kind of starting to whittle away at this idea of what is practicing law.
3: Mm.
1: Then you have lawyers who are trying to productize their own services, trying to automate their own services. And then we have laws that are that are saying, "Hey, we're going to start allowing. We may potentially start allowing third parties, non-lawyers. I say non-lawyers in this scenario. I hate the term non-lawyer. I know but, what you but mean. The right. people who who aren't licensed entities." that are not lawyers as well, to own equity in a company that sells law. right? So roundabout way of saying that I think we're going to find that this whole system of how do you sell law and what are the things we do in the process is going to be productized in and of itself. And Mm -hmm. so you sign on to a system and that system helps you get clients. That system helps you manage your clients. It helps you manage your accounting. It does your accounting for you. It does your you know you you get into the system. You've got baked in marketing. You've got baked in accounting. You've got your trust accounts dealt with. All of this stuff is almost turnkey for the attorney for the low low price of blank percentage of whatever. Darn blank again. You practice. Yeah. I mean, and we all want to control blank. Yeah. But I think we're going, we have the potential to see things like that. And that's my conspiracy theory. Sort of like, I I think that there's, (laughs) I think there's a lot of these larger, um, you know, practice management companies that are saying, we can kind of get ourselves into that position. And so we see a lot of them bringing themselves more into a single ecosystem instead of working and playing well with each other.
3: Yeah.
1: Honestly, the reason behind that is probably not what I'm thinking you know, it is good economics to kind of like bring all these systems together and keep people in your own little ecosystem. But sure, I see the practice of law being spoon fed a lot more to lawyers. Good, bad, indifferent. I don't know.
3: Another topic for later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's where my weird little brain goes.
3: Yeah. Well, let's end on your weird little brain. Good
1: place to end. I was
3: gonna ask you a funny conspiracy theory like, do you believe in Sasquatch to end this? But I want you to hold that thought and tell Next me time. at a later date. Next yeah. Time. For the cryptid podcast that we will be um doing an offshoot off. We, we are not doing that. Zach, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh for doing this. You're always a pleasure to talk to you and I, I just learned a whole lot so
1: Same to you. It's always fun. These were were great questions, I think, and I I hope that other people found them interesting as well.
3: Yeah. Well, you always let us know. You know, we you know we want to look on Twitter and see what you're saying. Yep. Say things to us.
0: All right. Good deal. (laughs) Good to see you.
1: Thanks. Good to see you too.
0: The Lawyerist podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10-minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. you.